This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Shall we begin? Hello and welcome to a bit of popcorn culture. It's uh, it's with myself, Cam Ruslan, and Dashan Johan. Johan, sorry, and uh, Shamila Ganesan. It's um, I'm a bit unprepared for this actually because there have been changes here, temporary changes at uh, Evening Edition, and so I have been called in with my expertise and knowledge to uh, guide this section of the show through. We're going to have a movie-based bit of culture. Yes, thank you, Cam. Uh, if we all sound a little discombobulated, that's because Lynn and Arvin are on leave, and so we decided to do a little bit of a popcorn culture, a bit of culture crossover. Thank you, Cam, for saying yes to our experimental idea. That's fine. This is like when Marvel and DC cross. Is it that kind of thing? It's never <laughs> happened. Plus, never. I'd like to think we're not rivals or enemies. Right, okay. Yes. No, no, absolutely not. No. <laughs> You've got a much bigger audience than I have. So there's no competition at all. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, our three topics this week are right. topic number one is what makes a great action movie. Yes. Topic number two is is there's just too much choice. Mm -hmm. And finally, topic number three is art direction. (laughs) Dashan, let's begin with, say, what makes a good uh, action movie? Actually, it's a very interesting, and the reason I came up with, I was thinking about this, is because, again, I'm reminded of this very old Roger Ebert quote, right? And And he said, when it comes to movies, it's not what it's about, it's how it's about it. And I mean, that cuts across any genre. But then, you know, you watch something like a John Wick, Right, John Wick 4 specifically. And you realize that you literally do not care about the what at all. <laughs> right? There is no what. what, what is the, it's like f- the line is you can retell it in four seconds, like you know what the film is about. Um, you know, his dog died in the first movie and he's been going on a rampage since then. And it's two hours, 45 minutes of just him going on a rampage, but it's br- brilliant. It's a beautiful film. It's, it's such a heart-pounding film. And I think so, it, it goes to show, right, that it's about how you shoot the action sequences, whether your action sequences themselves are telling a particular story, how it is choreographed, how it is shot. And then when it all comes together, I think that makes a far more fascinating or good action movie compared to what the film is about. So John Wick is top of the list. You haven't watched it, have you? Well, you know, I watched the first one, I <laughs> yeah. think, and for, for the precisely the reason that you've mentioned, Dash, mm-hmm. I didn't like it. Right. So I feel like if you didn't like the first one, you're very yeah. unlikely to like the others yeah, because right. they only become bigger and bigger and bigger, mm-hmm. which is part of the argument right. against action films, that they kind of don't know where to stop, right? right. I love John Wick 4, um, mm-hmm. even though I thought it, doesn't do anything in terms of story. Um, But there's just so much to enjoy. Uh, So, I mean, we're going to be talking about art direction a bit later, right? But it is such a genuinely beautiful film. Uh, The way they shoot the sunrise over Montmartre, for instance, um, the way particular action sequences are shot um, in a kitchen and the way things clatter on the floor, the way people are dressed, the way things just look in a frame. Uh, It's so beautiful and it's so beautifully made uh, that I would argue argue that even though it doesn't do much in terms of a plot, it's a perfect movie-going, action movie-going experience. So Shamila is kind of selling me on it, Dashan, but <laughs> you haven't sold me on it at all. I, because action sequences, I, I, I'm such a bore to me now. And so if I'm watching a movie, I've watched so many movies, I now know what's going to happen. So I know, okay, I've got five minutes to go to the toilet, make myself a drink, and scratch the cat. Right. When, Plus, the action sequence wh- when the action sequence happens. Because I know what the outcome's going to be. Right. I mean, if we're 10 minutes into the movie, the hero's not going to die. Yep. Um, the villain's not going to die. Right. Do you not enjoy the sequences themselves right. and how they look and what happens? Yeah, okay, that's good. That is a good point. And I have in the past, Terminator 2, for instance. Mm. Um, but I think that what James Cameron did there, which is what, 1994? or something yes. right. was was groundbreaking and so mm-hmm. I was I was seeing things I'd not seen before right and I would argue that even in films like John Wick um, you know 
you are seeing things that you've never seen before, right? I mean, it is it is action choreography, and I and I agree with you that it cannot just be you know just you're just looking at things, right? It, it's it's not just about looking at things and it's happening. There needs to be an emotional connect. There needs to be a character that you can actually latch onto, and and the plot can be as simple as you know this guy's dog died, right? But then what? How are you telling this emotional journey, right? And that's what I feel like films like John Wick, even Mad Max Fury Road, there's hardly any dialogue in the films. And I think it's one of the best action films ever made. It is just the entire plot of Mad Max Fury Road is how do I get from point A to point B and then from point B back to A again? But I think that what Mad Max Fury Road had was that there was uncertainty about who will live and who will die. Mm. Mm. The never, stakes are high. Yes. The stakes are high. We hadn't, and we're making emotional connections with people. It's like, don't die, don't die. Right. And also with, with Mad Max Fury, Fury Road, in fact, the entire Mad Max series, the, the, the look of it is a commentary uh, on... It's a like post... A dystopian... Dystopian future, yeah. future that... that I think if Mad Max had never existed, uh, we wouldn't have thought about the Mad Max type future. I think he actually introduced mm. a notion of the future, which is very terrifying. So that I think the John Wick example and the Mad Max example brings about the question of what do we actually mean when we say action movie, right? Mm-hmm. Because I wouldn't have thought of Mad Max as an action movie at all. I would have thought right. of it as a post-apocalyptic dystopian film. Mm. Um, Of course, action is a large part of it. Whereas John Wick, you could argue, is an action movie. Um, But even that notion of when we say what makes a good action movie, uh, it really depends. It might mean different things for different people. Superhero films are absolutely action films. Yeah, Yeah, I agree entirely. And I think that it it brings to the point, Darshan, that uh, Keanu Reeves doesn't know what he's doing. (laughs) You know, when he's doing the action-y bits, he Mm -hmm. has no clue. Right. It's very quick cuts, whereas Jackie Chan and that whole Hong Kong movie scene that's now kind of no more, you're, you are watching the ballet of 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 action, and, and you also know they can get genuinely hurt. Right, but that's where I would push back, right? Because what you said is exactly why I think John Wick's a great film. It is, they are showing you the ballet. It, they are showing you everything, right? Because my problem with a lot of action films is the quick cuts. It's mm. the shaky cam. It's the incomprehensible nature of it all. Mm. Um, you know, so the action scenes are just there to string together a shoddy storyline or whatever. Whereas in John Wick, you see, you get wide angles. Okay. Keanu Reeves had to train, choreograph mm. everything. Okay. There is a t- one track, you know, tra- there's a tracking shot where they take it from above. Like people have watched the film probably know what I'm talking about, where they go from room to room to room without cuts. Oh, that's a beautiful Beautiful scene. shot. Yeah. And you're seeing everything that's unfold. That's Hong Kong. I mean, uh, John Woo no, did that. John Wick is absolutely <laughs> Hong Kong yes. uh, tribute. Um, Donnie Yen is in it, by the yes. way. John Wick 4. And wow. it's arguably more a Donnie Yen film than it is a Keanu Reeves film. Yes. See, Sham is talking me in to this one much more than you, Dasha. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know how to pull at your uh, yeah. at your heartstrings. Wrong, yeah, yeah, perhaps yeah. the wrong reference for action, but yeah. Okay, Dasha. Now, I mean, okay, you're, you're saying what a great film it is. Is it in your top 100 movies? Top 100? Yeah, John Wick Four, maybe. No, maybe, maybe. Shamana? No. No. no, I would say John Wick one definitely. Okay, in terms of action movies, what's in your what's your top of the list? Oh, in terms of action movies, I would say it's top three. Okay. With, oh wow. Yeah, and I would put it in the same category as a Mad Max Fury Road, as like a couple of other Indonesian films that I might want to talk about later, perhaps. Um, you know, I, I think all to me, John Wick is the epitome of what a great action movie can. It's not the only thing, like like there are a lot of other great action films as well, but to me, like I'm putting John Wick in the same category and above and beyond even a film like Die Hard, which I do love. Right, right. Shamana, do you have an action movie top Oh, I didn't come prepared. Um, I think Terminator is quite up there. Um, Terminator 2. Terminator 2 is up there. There must be something more reasoned, but I I can't think of it. Again, I didn't think about it before. Mm. John Wick, for me, probably is not. Um, I do enjoy watching it. I would probably watch the first and the fourth one again and again. Mm. Second and third are kind of meh. Um, But no, I don't think that would be on mine. What's on yours? I'm curious. Action movies? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Lawrence of Arabia, obviously. Of course, (laughs) yes. But you see, do you then consider like Lord of the Rings action films? (sighs) 
Because then if you're considering that, then probably John Wick's going to get bumped down, right? Uh, like if I'm going to put a lot of the Private Ryan, is that a... But that's a war, war movie. Film. But war has action. It has. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So, yeah. That that expands the field tremendously. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, just don't exactly. worry. Okay. Yeah. We've got like uh, just a, a matter of seconds right. left. You said Indonesia. And so does Asia, and we mentioned Hong Kong earlier, does Asia have the same language, filmic language, in terms of action and expectations as Hollywood? Oh, Asia as a whole is tough, but I think... If you go in like certain countries which do action a lot, maybe like Indonesia, I would say it's a bit different. But there are similarities I see with, let's say, an Indonesian style action film to a film like, let's say, John Wick, Atomic Blonde. Maybe, you know, it's that same kind of hard eating, Hong Kong style a little bit. But I would say Asian films are way more hard hitting and raw in their exploration of the genre, especially Indonesia. Okay. Right, name one. Name one. That the we, Raid. Okay. I well, that's that, okay. Yeah, I could name that one. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't ask me to name something niche. <laughs> all, right, all right. All right. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. With that, we must take a break. And in a moment, we're going to come back to something very apt, which is that there is too much choice here on A Bit of Popcorn Culture on yes. BFM 89.9. Bring forth moolah. BFM 89.9. And we're back on a bit of popcorn culture. And now we move to topic number two with Shamila, uh, which is that there is too much choice. There is way too much choice. And Mm -hmm. I feel this every single time I tell myself I'm going to have a nice weekend watching something that I either haven't watched before, something that I love from the past that I want to revisit. I sit down on the couch and immediately I have five different streaming platforms with a few thousand choices each. And I end up not watching anything because it's just too much. I end up just going back to Friends or The Office or watching YouTube because it's just easier to pick a half-hour sitcom but then watch it for a movie amount of time (laughs) than to watch an actual movie. And I've actually started finding it quite frustrating. And I feel like if I didn't do the movie show, Popcorn Culture, um, I would find this even more difficult because at least that forces me to hone in on things I have to watch every week. Oh, tell me about it because I think I'm, I'm starting to face this. And what, what you said, you know, if, about the mo- doing the movie show, right? Um, I used to review movies all the time as well. And they, I'm, I'm realizing that it actually helps. It helps to, to, to sort of encourage me to, to hone in. I, 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 it's almost like homework. You know, today you got to watch this and you got to watch this, right? And then I end up, uh, I might enjoy it, I might not, but at least I'm watching it. Right now, I'm adding stuff, so many, so many things to the list, um, especially on streaming platforms, right? I, I, every time there's new things, I'm like, oh, I might want to check this and out. And then this. they will give you personalized suggestions, yes, ex- exactly. which just derail you completely. Yes, and I'm adding to the list and... But when the time comes, like, okay, let's say tonight I have stuff. Like, yesterday night I had free time. And then I just ended up, like Sharmila said, friends. But one thing, I I don't know whether you feel this way. I'd like to know what you think as well, Cam. I don't find that same sort of overwhelming thing. And then I'm just retreating to sitcoms when it comes to movies in the cinema. So, for example, um, for cinema, I'm buying a ticket. Right, um, there's this new Mani Ratnam um, Tamil film coming out called Pony and Silver mm-hmm. 2. I got tickets ready. All I can think about and from now until Sunday, which I'm watching, is like, oh my God, I'm watching the movie. Oh my God, I'm going to watch this movie. Oh my God, I'm going to watch this movie. There's an excitement mm. which doesn't leave my head. And I love that feeling. Whereas with streaming platforms, I think I'm kind of losing that, right? It's just too much. It's everywhere, all the time. Well, well, well no one told told me it was going to be this way. Um, but, uh, I, I, yeah, no, I, I, I hear you, people. I hear you, and I'm the same way. But I, and, and, uh, and I'm very glad that you turned to sitcoms because I'm doing the same thing. And, um, but I'm wondering that the greatest casualties must be the, 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 the series as mm-hmm. opposed to the movie. They must be, I mean, what do they have to do to get through? Like the TV shows that are not the big hitter sitcoms. From from back in the day. Ah, well. right. right. I mean, oh, the that's new so things th- that are coming up. I mean, how do how do what do they do to grip you? They, I have. I mean, I have watched things, and if I try to think about what has gripped me, I think if I'm looking for some kind of newness, mm. um, if it's if it's going to be and a sense of pacing that's going to keep me going, if I sense that the pacing is going to be plod, plod plod plod, and if it's talk talk talk. But I really enjoyed this Italian um, 
uh, TV series recently, and it, it, it kind of, well, it's set in the 1880s, so <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of like, like Presley! <laughs> but, but you're talking about something that, you know, you're, you're talking about the pace of it and all. All of that can only happen once I click play, right? Yes. And for me, that's the challenge. It's clicking play. No, I, I, I feel that way too. So, um, of course, quitting a show happens mm-hmm. a lot quickly, a lot quicker as mm. well because you do get kind of like, oh, but there's this other thing that I'd rather watch. There's mm. this other thing that's on. Um, but even the very act of deciding to commit to something, and maybe that's it, right? Buying a ticket for a movie in the cinema is commitment. Right. You've, you've made plans. You're either going to go watch it with somebody, you've purchased a ticket. So you feel a sense of anticipation. Where else, like, the problem with streaming is that it's always there. It's always sitting in your house. You just have to decide when right. you want to give it time. Mm. And then you feel like you don't want to, which is an odd feeling. And I compare that to channel surfing when you were a kid or when I was a kid anyway, um, or all the way up till my teenage years when you just watched whatever was on TV. Which, which was the good times. It was you because <laughs> I feel like you would turn to something and you know that you, you don't know when you might watch right. it again. And therefore you're like, okay, I have to watch it now because who knows when this will be back on TV 2 at 8 p.m. Right. Because I, um, I, I, I grew up, I think we all grew up in that age, where the TV stations curated uh, what we were going to watch. But they also mm-hmm. were curating what we agreed what was agreed upon culture. Yes. And acceptable culture. Right. And, uh, and we would all sit there and watch it. So the argument that was put to me was now the great thing is that the gatekeepers are gone. Mm-hmm. Right. And <clears throat> we don't have to subscribe to a commonly held view of somebody else's right. view of what culture is. Now we can start piecing it together ourselves. And I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants freedom of choice? <laughs> no, you're, you're right, though, right? Um, I love the notion on paper that I can create yes. my own personal list of movies on Netflix or whatever that I can get to. But do I ever get to that list? I don't. Um, right. I just keep making these lists. Yes, and I think that is the the, the key, right? Because it's not that I, I'm talking about. Uh, you know, it's not even about discovering whether I'm going to like the the show. Um, even I, if if it's a series that I know I'm generally going to like, perhaps it's made by a showrunner that that has made other great stuff. You know, perhaps they come from a studio that has made other great stuff. Perhaps it's something set in a comic book world or stuff. You know, things like that. But I'm still not clicking play for some reason. And I think that's the thing. But I keep making lists, but I'm not clicking play. And I don't know why. And I don't know what is it that is just making me, you know, go back and then, you know, look through my list and then end up just watching Friends again. And these are things that I love watching challenging stuff. I love watching slow things. I love watching all. So it's not what it is. It is just about clicking play. And then I know I will like it. yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, I, on a bit of culture, I've had some younger people, younger people than us, come on, and um, and actually, younger people have have said the same thing, and uh, come, and said what a trial it is in life. And I'm thinking, well, you, you, you people, this is suffering, isn't it? But but also, younger people um, tend to watch trailers. Yes, mm. a lot more so as to to inform them, and we can we can all decode trailers now. We all know oh, this trailer is just covering up a, <laughs> a real turkey. This one, I mean, it looks great, but you, you know. So uh, the the trailer has for for a younger audience anyway um, has become a very important way to judge what's the thing that I'm going to commit to next. Yes, and the trailer can often, I think, um, prevent you from taking a risk. Mm. I, I feel like trailers these days either do too much or don't do anything at all um, or they sell you the production company version of what they think the audience right. wants. Um, and there have been times where the trailer is makes you disinterested in a film. There have been times when the film was much better than the trailer was. So, I don't know. I, I might actually miss a little bit of the uh, the old trailer voice guy style trailers where, you know, <laughs> yes. And then they're like, this is the story of a man. Like yes. This I, summer. Yes, yeah. it's coming to a cinema. And, and that's all you really need to know. Yeah. I don't know that you need to see every punchline in the trailer because then you feel like you've watched the movie. Right. Yeah, I, I think I've kind of started. Uh, I, ever since I don't have to cover movies on a regular 
I've sort of stopped watching tra- uh, trailers on purpose because I like going in blind, as blind as possible. But I was wondering, um, you know, Sharmila, when we were talking and as well, uh, Cam as well, you know, talking about how... Uh, you know, perhaps like there's that excitement when we go to the cinemas compared to, let's say, there's this overwhelming type of, you know, when it comes on streaming service. Do you think making sort of series days or movie nights, but, you know, about series where you're like, okay, I'm going to get like five friends and every Saturday we're going to binge watch this. And so you sort of replicate that effect of, you know, like, oh, I bought a movie ticket, you know, and I'm looking forward to it and I'm hyping, you know, hyping myself up towards that day. Do you think something like that could could break through this? So I did that with a couple of friends mm-hmm. recently and I do think it helps okay. because you decide on a movie together and then you, you kind of commit to it. Yeah. And we did have a rule though because we have a couple of friends who do this we're like no flipping. No right. looking through the list to decide if we want to maybe watch something else. Yes. No, we decided the movie this is what we're watching. I, I mean despite the fact that we all watch Friends I don't think you can pretend it's the 1990s again. And <laughs> True. <laughs> and and I, I don't know if you can pretend that that's going to happen because I find myself, <clears throat> if the thing that I have committed to, I haven't even committed to it, but if I'm watching it and it hasn't quite, it's not quite, you know, like uh, ticking all the boxes, mm-hmm. I will then be able to read. Somebody has written a complete synopsis <laughs> on the Internet and I will read the complete synopsis. And it's like, well, that sounds trash. Oh, so you do it mid-watching the show. Oh, but come on. I try I not to. I don't. Yeah, I try not to because <laughs> oh, I feel like commit. I need to. Yes, yes, once I commit, I feel like I owe the show my opinion and attention. Right. Well, I mean, and that, and that is a good advertisement for why people should marry Shamila. <laughs> <laughs> Commitment is clearly very important to you. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, no, I, I, I would duck out if it's uh, not quite working. So, well, before we, we wrap this one up, I think we should ask, what's your favorite Friends episode? And <laughs> no, but seriously, what have you committed to anything recently, or have you? Uh, is there anything that has managed to break through? Um, yes, actually, a number of things. So I, I realize I've been watching Ted Lasso quite avidly. Okay. I even do the appointment television every week. Um, Succession, I've committed to for four seasons. So there are things that, it's, and they. They must grip you because... Because the story is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, the characters are great. Um, um, you keep wanting more yeah, of that, them. All of that could be true for anything, though. You no, know? that's true. Yeah, yeah so, I think it's just there are many good shows out there. Yeah. These ones worked for me. I think that Ted Lasso and Succession, surely they are offering you a new perspective. This is true. A new way of telling um, a story that perhaps I didn't realize I was interested in. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. so that the, there's a family. This is a new way of looking at family and in the case of Ted Lasso, there's pretty much an all-male group. But how do you manage an all-male yes, world? Yes, yes. Yeah, um, for me, it was uh, Succession. I just started. So it's I've been putting it out for very long. I And that's the thing, right? It's it's something that I've been wanting to watch for so long. I keep saying, I've got to watch it. i got to watch it. I'm going to love it. I'm going to love it. And I know for a fact I'm probably going to love it. Um, but I just couldn't click, click play. So I'm like, okay, that was one of the things where I said, okay, let's commit a weekend and then just start. And I'm loving it. Last of Us is something that I went down that path as well. For some reason, just wasn't clicking play. So I told my girlfriend, okay, this Saturday is a Last of Us day, you know, kind of thing. And then we just went on a binge. So I think I'm a few months behind you because I have not yet been able to commit to succession. Oh. Mm-hmm. For, for no good reason. Well, you should wait till the season, uh, last yeah, season ends gonna... and then just start from the beginning. Right, right. I've, n- I've never watched Game of Thrones. That one you can, I think maybe the ship on that has sailed. Mm-hmm. House of the Dragon, just start with yeah. that. Uh, that's a, s- that's that's the, a, spin. That's a song, isn't that's it? That's the prequel, prequel to Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is as well, yes, that's true. <laughs> okay, um, Okay. Well, um, well, the thing I last committed to was, uh, as I say, an Italian TV series uh, called The Law According to Emilia Poet. Ooh. Um, it's really good, <laughs> it, 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 and it'll. We will be referring to that in a moment with my with nice. my topic. Um, so with that, we need to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to be talking about art direction and um, take notes, people, because there will be an exam afterwards. <laughs> uh, here on a bit of popcorn on BFM eighty nine point nine. Big front man, BFM eighty nine point nine. Welcome back to popcorn culture. Uh, here on BFM, and now it's uh, topic number three, which is art direction. It's something that we don't 
think about enough. Mm -hmm. But there are these different elements in a film that really condition the way that we uh, respond to a movie. And they're, they're hidden signs. So I was watching an American movie a while ago. It was a good film, good script, great cast. Uh, it was called uh, This Is Where I Leave. And, um, and it was let down, in my mind, by its art direction, in that this family live in this house, but the house was decorated in such a way that it looked like it was that no one lived there. Mm -hmm. it, it looked like it's the kind of generic um, for rental pictures that you go through or they were waiting for the world of interiors photographer to turn up. I, I, I was just thinking, who cleans this place? <laughs> it, it's a house where a family had grown up, but there were no mementos of a family, no, no rubbish, no detritus right. of a family. So therefore, immediately, this kind of, it was almost like a play, but you couldn't believe any of the uh, uh, things that happened inside it because the house itself didn't exist. Meanwhile, the, I, I love Korean films, mm -hmm. and I think that their art direction is is... Fantastic. Partly because they don't have the budgets to play around with. Mm -hmm. So they, 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 I watched uh, one where <clears throat> it was clearly shot in a set because as a filmmaker, I know these things. And, <laughs> but what really struck me was it was, it was someone's apartment. And if you look, the camera, it didn't focus on it, but you could see in the corner that the, the floorboard, there was a mark at the bottom where the mop meets the wall. Mm -hmm. And they'd built this set and they'd put that in. And then there were the sort of fingerprints around the light switch. Mm -hmm. And then there were those, those plastic circular things where you hang socks to dry. And, and all the, the clutter of life. And then you think, okay, this is real. I, I, I instinctively believe what's happening in, inside this place. And, um, and I think that you can, uh, filmmakers out there, you can uh, do so much with very little if you put your mind to it in art direction. That's, an, that's actually a really interesting point because obviously when we talk about art direction, most people would go to the big budget uh, Lord of the Rings, mm -hmm. Hunger Games, um, multiple Disney films where the budget is huge and therefore they can actually create a world with costume and sets and makeup that look amazing. So the kind of movies that would win best costume or mm -hmm. best art direction at the Oscars. But... Um, I was just thinking about it as you were speaking, Camp. I've just started Breaking Bad many, many years late. Mm -hmm. I've just finished watching the first episode. And there was one scene which struck me exactly for the reason that you said. Um, I don't want to give away the show. Um, but there's a scene where he's um, he's obviously in the, in the first episode a sort of broken man. Uh, he's in bed. He gets up and there's a sweat stain on the pillow. Mm -hmm. And I just thought... Who made the decision that there needs to be a sweat stain on the pillow? But then it also kind of depicts to you immediately something about the character and the kind of person he is and where he lives, his age, the fact that, you know, this is what his life is. And I love details like that. I love mm. the fact that someone thought of this as a detail for the show. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm very particular because, you know, even when you brought up this topic, my mind went to the big films immediately. But I also realized that one of the fav my favorite things about films is how lived in the world feels like. So if it's in a prison, you like just the random the stains on the wall, the, the unpainted, you know, door. I feel all of these things make a film, you know, feel like actual human beings walked there, you know, they, they live there every day. And, and you brought up, let's say, Korean films, they do it well, like Park Chan-wook, um, you know, when you watch like Old Boy or you watch a film like The Handmaiden, like even the interior of a kitchen, um, things where like, oh, a knife is you know, just randomly on the floor or, or something, you know, like just a, a tomato mm. is, is not placed, arranged really well. That not being arranged really well adds to the effect of it, right? If it's a, if you if you are, if you have an ashtray in a house and the ashtray is perhaps there has like a couple of cigarette butts there. You know, a lot of directors, they don't think about these things, but when you do, it makes a film feel so real. Like, you're not just there to 
you know, find out what the story is about or where the characters are going, but you're there to live with the characters and, and feel like you're part of it. Yeah, I think a lot of Anglo-American TV and film suffers from a need to be aspirational mm. and and to present the world in, in a John Wickian style, <laughs> as cool as can yeah, be. Yeah. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, I, and I, I think that, say, Francis Coppola, um, he, he actually betrayed, he lost the quality that gave him success in Godfather Part 1 and 2 because in the commentary for Godfather Part 3, which was trash, mm-hmm. um, he said the thing that he found difficult was, was how do you keep topping your, yourself? The, the, the action sequences, that he was focusing on the action sequences in his movies. How do you then do it better next, bigger next time? So he came up with a ridiculous thing where a helicopter's flying overhead and machine gunning people. Like, what, what? this is not Godfather. Because Godfather was about the domesticity. Right. Was about the art direction of just, the, the, these are, these are uh, dangerous people discussing life and death, but they're just they're in a kitchen. And yep. they're just making pasta sauce. And it's a bit of a mess, and he's he's in a tank top, and it's just that was what made it more chilling—the banality of evil. Right. Mm. As, so as I'm thinking about how I'm thinking about how um, so Star Wars and how the early films, the original trilogy. Um, what I love about the way the films look and feel is actually how everything looks like it's been through hell. Right. Um, all the spaceships, people's outfits look kind of drab and ripped. Mm-hmm. The, the, the the vehicles and the spaceships are dinged and dirty and, and dented. Whereas when you compare that to everything else that comes after, they all look so new and shiny and CGI right. primarily is the problem. You don't quite believe that these are rebel soldiers who have been through, you know, all these battles to try and save the universe. They look new and shiny like toys. Um, And I'm so glad that they rediscovered um, that aesthetic in the TV shows that are now based on Star Wars. Not Um, the movies? The the new movies, not so much, I don't think. I feel like they tried it a little bit, but there's always this push to make things look cool, right? Um, The newer films, I think, suffer from uh, a little bit of visual excess. Um, They want to keep making things look different, more and more different. Whereas like The Mandalorian um, and or the TV shows, they, I think, because they're more ground level and they're set in real towns and places, they're able to do that sort of scuffed look that I actually really love about Star Wars. Right, absolutely. Because like I I I think the newer Star Wars films, they did try to go back to the practical effects side of things, but it still looks polished, right? There is that how do I make it look as beautiful as possible rather than how do I make it look as natural as possible? Also, they're competing against all these huge CGI spectacles, Spectacle. so now they have to do that as well. Yeah. So I feel we, we sh- the, the, the uh, you should try and make something look as natural as possible, natural to the environment. If the people are going to look a certain way, then a certain way. If the buildings, the environment, um, I think like, and, and that's why I, I, I feel like, you know, the, the example about Godfather, right? Like, our direction is that family sitting and eat specifically eating out of Chinese takeout boxes, right? Mm. That is an important detail that tells you that these people are, they're always in a rush. You know, they may have all the money and power, but, you know, they're not thinking about certain, you know, like, let's eat posh food or whatever. They're like, okay, let's eat this Chinese takeout. We've got time for this and then we are, we are gone again. You know, it's all these kind of small, small things that, that show you the, the dynamics of the family, that, that show you how the family lives lives and even local films right like I when I watched a film like a fly by night and one to Jaga I thought two of the things that I mean out of the two both the thing that I really liked from both the films is that they really took the effort to dive into this world so more than the story which was good I remember what the world was like, what kind of lives the character lived. You know, sometimes if you're making a gangster film and you really show them in like dingy, sweaty, they're in their tank tops and what of that, it makes it more believable than if they are all in this, you know, polished looking world where everything just looks pristine. Like John Wick. 
<laughs> yeah. You're but, determined. Yeah, he I talked himself down. down. It wasn't me. He I said it. He like said it. John Wick for a very different reason. <laughs> to yeah. be fair, I don't think John Wick is aiming for realism. Uh, yes. Yeah. But, it, but it is aiming for cool. It is. Yes. Yeah. And it is. It did. It does succeed in that yeah, sense. Right. They, they have world building. They have art design, and everything is pristine and cool. Yeah. And like, it's not meant to look like this dingy underbelly, right? You know, you mentioned the <clears throat> the Chinese takeaway mm-hmm. takeout things. That always makes me immediately hungry for American style Chinese. Yes. <laughs> yes. Even though it's not objectively very good. No, yes. it's horrible. But I, I want I want the sweet and sour prawn. Yes. General but, Tso's chicken. General Tso's chicken and beef and broccoli. <laughs> <clears throat> but what, one of the things. Uh, uh, a way to really give naturalism is to have people eating. Mm-hmm. But actors naturally hate to eat on set because yes. that food's been on set for three mm-hmm. hours. <laughs> you will get salmonella if you put that in your mouth. <laughs> so the great thing about having the Chinese takeout boxes is they can be dipping their, their chopsticks in there and it looks like they're eating, but, but they're not nothing. eating a damn yeah. thing. Um, <laughs> but, but, but food is a, is a very difficult thing to do. So Korean movies do it. They, they force their actors to eat. Eat a lot of noodles. <laughs> and one of the great things is it's cold, it can get very cold in Korea. In fact, I think I've only ever seen Korean movies that have been made in winter. And so they have a lot of the steamed uh, food. Yeah. Right. And that steam is just so oh, evocative. Yes, yes. Um, and it just says food. And it has smell mm, as well, which right. is a rare thing to, to, to be able to evoke in a film. Can I just share with you guys this little rabbit hole I went down after I watched Banshees of Inisherin? Um, so apparently, the sweaters that Colin Farrell wears, mm-hmm. um, the art direction team was very, very uh, committed to wanting to uh, to re. I suppose to mimic, to to bring back to life knits that only existed in that era, in that part of Ireland. Right. And therefore, they had to look for a um, a woman who lives, uh, who, who makes sweaters, who specializes in rediscovering and excavating knitting patterns. And she had to do this whole deep dive into Irish history to find the particular sorts of knitting styles that existed at that time to make those sweaters. Um, I was mind blown when I heard that. The kind of effort and attention to detail, it's not like I would have known, but that's it. The sweaters added so much to giving his character and our entry point into this setting. Mm. Um, it was such a brilliant choice. But also, everybody involved in the movie, in the making of the movie, would have known that. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. So it would have increased their sense of commitment to the realism. Oh, that's a good point, yeah. Because there's this, uh, I got taken on a, a press junket once to this uh, very famous British costumers called Angels. And they do all the TV series and everything. And I and I and I've seen their stuff throughout the years. And I and I and I've seen it. And I've always disliked it because when I finally went there, I sort of realized why. Because they make all these uniforms, etc., and then they want to rent it out a thousand times. Oh, so they make it really thick mm-hmm. and hard, and and not at all necessarily. Um, true to the the epoch in which they were actually made because they want to hire it out again and again and again mm. and again and it, it just looks like they're wearing a fat suit hmm. it's so rigid so and it looks like a costume it right. looks like a, a costume yeah. yeah and so when you watch these sort of like a Jane Austen type things mm. they all look the same mm. which brings me finally to this Italian thing that I watched <laughs> because I don't really normally always look out for costume, but the costume on this was incredible. Um, and I think that it, it, it was incredible for a couple of reasons. One, because they were filming in Italy. So you point a camera in any direction, it's going to look amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're in these wonderful houses, and it's like, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. So all you then do is you just move human beings around inside the frame. And so they put them in costumes. That's really the only expense they had. And we are conditioned now to think of the past in, in black and white. And we imagine that people didn't like color. Right. They, they, they lived in a black and white world. But actually people loved color. And so the costume is just suddenly vibrant. And they're Italian, so they know how to, they know how to cut. And it looks uh, delicate. It looks thin. It looks like it was made for them. But it also has a cohesive quality for the entire storyline and all the different characters. And it was just sudden. It was just so different from watching a, watching a BBC drama of um, of a Jane Austen. I want to go look up just 
clips and pictures just to see what it looks like. It looks amazing. Yeah. It looks it amazing. Sounds amazing as well. Yeah. Uh, but also, you break it down in terms of production mm-hmm. budget. You realize that, that is the big expense. Mm. Right. So, and it looks like a million bucks, but it did not cost a million bucks. And it's a series, so they have to kind of consistently commit to doing this for the whole show. But but yeah, but it had a it had a kind of Sex in the City quality, mm-hmm. in that people never seem to wear the same thing twice. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so when when I finally did see them wearing the same thing twice, it was like, oh, she's wearing that again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't really, I'm not a person who looks up costume. <laughs> my, my wife says, oh, you remember that green dress? No. <laughs> Do you? I know. Um, well, anyway, we move on. And um, so I'm gonna. Oh, well, we must move on. I'm, I'm gonna ask you your favorite art direction type things, but. Uh, you said Star Wars earlier. I'm going to say, uh, actually, very recently, I'm going to say uh, Bridgerton. I thought the second season of Bridgerton did such a fun job of reimagining these Regency era outfits uh, for a contemporary time. Dash? Good question. Um, I don't know. Um, okay, I, I would say, like, I'm going to throw in, like, a random, like, Tamil movie I watched recently called Viditalai. Mm-hmm. And it's basically set in a police quarters um, in the jungle and because they are trying to and it's basically a battle between the police and the people's revolution type of thing and what they did like in terms of art direction in terms of the the, the police station um, again it goes back to that thing where it really just looks like this Mm. dirty place uh, like you know that you just do not want to like you as when you're watching it you're like I wish I'm not there and I feel that's what it needs to evoke right rather than you looking at at something and, and like a prison and thinking wow this prison's beautiful that sounds like the sweatiest movie yes it's very sweaty of all time very sweaty <laughs> a lot of people in tank tops <laughs> uh, <laughs> did not think that's where we were going to go yeah. um, I, well I'm going to nominate um, an old film Alien oh Brilliant, um, because it's 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 domestic, mm-hmm. and and also one of the reasons why the, one of the ways they were able to to create that was because they actually cannibalized the insides of um, uh, old uh, bombers. Mm-hmm. They cut out the the the, the launch pads, what do you call them, and stuck them up and. That became the inside of the spaceship Nostromo. And when you say alien, I immediately have a visual in my head. That's how good the uh, the visual sense right. of the film is. Yeah, yeah, and Kurt Geiger's yeah uh, mm-hmm. Alien is oh, yes. Oh, God, oh my God, it's such a good film. Um, <laughs> so uh, okay, uh, in a moment we're going to come back and we're going to do recommendations here on a bit of popcorn culture on BFM eighty nine point nine. Benchmark for managers, BFM eighty nine point nine. Welcome back to the final part of A Bit of Popcorn Culture here on BFM 89.9. And now we do recommendations where we recommend something that we think might be of interest in a film kind of way. It could be anything. And Shamana goes first. So I'm going to recommend in all of this tyranny of choice that I was talking about earlier, the one thing that I actually got recommended to me by three different people and then I decided to watch it. It's a show called Shrinking. It's on Apple TV+. Plus. Um, it stars probably the most unlikely trio that you could think of, um, Jessica Williams, Jason Segel, and Harrison Ford. And I haven't seen Harrison Ford do anything much in a while Mm. other than his last Star Wars outing. And this was such a lovely surprise. So the premise of the show is uh, the three of them are therapists. They run a therapy practice together. Uh, But obviously, they're very different people. Jason Siegel's character has just lost his wife. His wife passed away. So that's the premise of the show. Um, and so he is therapizing others while also going through his own right. personal struggles. Um, and each of them have their own personal challenges. But it's sort of done in this lovely balance of pathos and and, and tragedy, but also comedy. Um, it's just great. It's one of those... Just about half an hour to 40 minute per episode shows, which I would deeply recommend. Harrison Ford in the show is amazing. He is hilarious. He's um, he's empathetic. He's so much fun to watch. Um, I kind of feel like, you know, when actors get older and you start wondering, what are they going to do anymore? That's not a rehash of what they've already done. This is such a great pivot for him. And, and how did you get to commit to that one? <laughs> well, because I got recommended, uh, got it recommended by three different people whose tastes I trust, and okay. so That's I thought. That's what it takes in the Also, I didn't need commitment. I watched one episode and I was sold. 
also it's 30 wow. minutes so very easy first date is this a limited series or it's um i feel like they're probably going to do a second season because of how well the first season's doing um i think it's about 7 or 8 episodes maybe 10 for the first season what's it called again shrinking Um see that's got me John Wick you're going to get you got to send your John Wick away <laughs> Give me an 8 year old Harrison Ford I want to watch 8 year old Harrison I don't just watch John Wick <laughs> But that said um if it's my turn to go um you know yes, yes. yeah Dash. so you're, you're yeah ready. so my recommendation is um tied to what uh, the the action genre that we were talking about earlier and I I do want to recommend the raid because I you, perhaps a lot of people uh in like cinephiles and all have watched it but you know when i just talk to my random friends and all a lot of people they have not and i think the raid is a perfect and cap i don't think first of all i don't think everybody is going to love it but i think it's a perfect encapsulation of it's about how you tell a story and not what it is about because the mov- movie is just these police guys they need to go from ground floor to the top floor that's it that's the premise and from it's one and a half hours or close to two hours i think of ground floor to the top floor a barrage of people come towards them and they beat the living daylights out of everyone that's oh, all uh, it is all right spoiler alert yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly there's nothing to spoil there's nothing that's it it's just that did this movie come out before uh, judge dread judge i was just thinking mm, about judge dread as you were talking it's similar similar i think it came out after Right. I mean, it's a very simple concept, but it just yes, start, yes, yeah. yeah, it's a very simple, similar concept as that, um, except I think the Indonesians did it better. Yeah. So I never thought of. I've watched the raid. I've mm-hmm. watched Judge Dread. I love actually mm-hmm. both. I never made the connection until I heard you talk about it, and suddenly I couldn't stop thinking of Judge, Judge Dread. Judge Dread. Dush and Singh is your expert mm-hmm. on these things. Uh, <laughs> Thai uh, action movies. How how do they rate for you? I wouldn't say I've watched a lot of Thai. I've watched maybe two, three. I I think Asian films, like when you look at Indonesia and Thai, they are more brutal or they are more willing to show. Not that American films has no brutality. I mean, John Wick and all is very violent, but there is a certain, you know, when you watch Thai action films, I feel you you tend to squint a lot, or, or you know, like 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 sort of curl up in your seat because what you're watching is kind of like. Te- like terrible you know you actually see like the blood then with coming out whereas in hollywood i think they try to make even that aspect beautiful to look at or mm. mm. sort of gamified in that sense not that that's bad because you it's still a, it's a style but i think in asian the good action films their style is very like i don't care i'm just going to go brutal I, and and you think that indonesia is the 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 leading Force. I would say so in action. Yeah. Yes. So Hong Kong is dead then, isn't it? Hong Kong. No, in today's world, today's, yeah. yeah I, I mean, Hong Kong 20, 30 years ago, yes, but mm. I don't think anyone's really making that kind yeah. of action yeah. movie anymore, which is a pity. Well, Hollywood's kind of taken over, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um okay, so the the raid, yep. which came out we cannot remember when. 2014, I think. Okay. Yeah. Um I'm I'm not sure but I think that sounds about right. Um okay so my recommendation I've mentioned the show several times now and I and I just want to push it one more time it's The Law According to Lydia Poet. All right. So it's um You haven't said what the story is about. Oh okay. Shall I will tell you. <laughs> so it's a it's a limited series. Uh, well, there might be a second series, but you never know with Netflix these days. If it's successful, they cancel it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's <bizarre. laughs> um, but it's uh, it's about it's set in the 1880s, based on a, a, a real character, a woman in Turin, who was the first qualified female lawyer, but she was not allowed to practice. Right. So. It's uh, and in in reality, this the, the the actual woman was only able to finally practice at the age of sort of like seventy or something. But instead, we have a very young, very cute <laughs> uh, Lydia poet, and um, so she's struggling to be able to be accepted as a lawyer. So it's 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 a who there are who who done it's um, which are they're not amazing the the the, the who done who done it's but but they're very engaging and there's a really just wonderful character. um study and also something that Hollywood never does which Korean movies do and which this does is um sibling uh brother sister rivalry and 
the, the battles that brothers and sisters have with each mm. other, mm. Uh, which is it's a, it's a reality. I mean, I don't have any sisters, but it is something that people ha- have. And yet Hollywood never seems to never seems to really do that. They do them in a very, I suppose you get them in very toxic settings. So then you have the whole family drama, the sisters who never get along. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It's it's not it's not sort of, this is just how people's relationships are sometimes. Right. Mm. And especially in in an age, as it was then, uh, that, that's uh, deeply patriarchal. Mm. So he, the, the, the brother, just handed everything. He can be a lawyer, he can be anything he wants, but the sister cannot. So it's um, it's fun, it's beautiful. Um, the the wardrobe's incredible. And uh, it's uh, a really great, really great cast, great hair. Oh, wow. <laughs> now, this is something actually I do look out for, it's hair. A lot of movies can be really wonderful, but they are so dated by the hair. Right. I love, for instance, Dr. Zhivago. <laughs> it, it, yes. From 1968. <laughs> but uh, And the, the production design is incredible. The acting and everything is fine. But the hair looks like it's from 1968. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> Hairstyles age very yes. badly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so the hair that they've done here is much more uh, in keeping with the actual times. Right. Uh, but at the same time with a certain kind of comic quality, as it were. They've sort of pushed it ever so slightly. Right. So it's a bit larger than life. A bit larger than okay. life. Yeah. You've kind of sold me on yeah, the show. very interesting. Especially since it's a watch. limited series. I feel yes. like I could I could check it out. Yeah, I think it's 12 episodes, okay. maybe less. And they're about a half hour. Or oh, okay. Yeah, well, it could... Can we commit to something like that, Deshan and, and I feel like I could commit to one episode to see so, where it goes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. And I, and I think once I click, my thing is clicking play. So if I do manage to click, click play, then, wow. then I guess. Okay. Well, with that, we come to the end of a bit of, bit of middle-aged. <laughs> uh, bit, bit of middle-aged crisis. Cry for help. A little bit. Yes. Yeah, that's, didn't yes. expect to end here. That's true. Yeah. With an overall recommendation to go and watch Friends again. Mm, Always. Absolutely. And uh, so it only rose now to thank, um, well, Dash and Johan. Sorry, what? Well, well, we're signing off now. Oh, yes. So thank you, Dash, oh, for joining you, us thank today. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And great, thank you, Cam, for going on this uh, adventure with us. Yeah, yeah well, it's uh, it's been interesting. Um, the, the copyright of a bit of oh. is... is <laughs> my lawyers will speak. Under yes. threat, yes. <laughs> it was really fun, though. Yeah, yeah. And thank you so much, everyone here at the... Uh, but I don't know what this show is called anymore. Bit of popcorn culture. <laughs> A bit of popcorn culture here on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.